hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five. That's when you know you're in your Carlsberg years, kids, when you, you make noises when you move. You don't actually feel anything when that happens, You're just doing that just because. I don't, I don't believe that there's actually, like, a pain or something or a stress. No, it, just, it, it just takes effort to move oh, okay. everywhere these days. Right. Although, when I get the old legs going, watch out. You know what I'm saying, Yeah, Jesse? a little warm-up. We, uh, we still haven't done that uh, shootout competition that we talked about a few months ago. I'm you, waiting. You, me. We have a lot to well, do. we don't have open range. Shootout, so. <laughs> yeah. FIFA, I think we have to do. Oh, you said you'd destroy me. I, didn't, I don't think I said otherwise, but maybe NHL would be a little different. I don't think I ever lost in NHL University. Had four roommates, not a big deal. Um, I had to play 94 controls. So, what is that, button pressing? No, like the, classic? The, they have the classic yeah. 19 Whatever. NHL 94 controls on the current rendition yeah. of the game or the current edition of Not the scared. game. And I play the 94 controls when I play my son. That's Because I don't want to learn all of these new controls. Do you, and he's doing like these dangles. Same thing, Sebi? Yeah, he's doing these dangles yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm like, I can just speed up and slow down. That's the, yeah, that's the difficulty. <laughs> and hit. That's the difficulty. Is the dangles, like, that's new, that's new age yeah. video gamer. Let me just say something, EA that. Sports. Yeah. Uh, the amount of concussions that would take place <laughs> in a game of NHL 22 is unbelievable. Sebi, have you seen? Like, everyone just trucks everybody. Like, it's unbelievable. It's been happening for years. It's Tom Wilson all yeah. over the place. What is the, the one line that you think of um, when you think of the video game, NHL? Because I think of, I think it was Jim Houston, like freight train, freight train, ooh, like he made that noise every time, and it was a massive hit. Yeah. That would be the commentary. Sabalski these freight days train, excited. Yeah, have you played this? Oh, yes. Yeah. The Sabalski version. By the way, uh, and let me just say something to James Sabalski right now, who's an old dear friend of mine. Uh, putting McAuliffe in the game. <laughs> have we talked about this? Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. My entire life, you know when they put the players that you can make into the game? Mm -hmm. I would always have to go with like Jimmy or Superstar gotcha. or Jonesy because mm -hmm. they'd never have the name in the game. And one day my son texts me. I have the text on my phone. And he says, Dad, look at this. And there's a McAuliffe option on NHL 20. And so they pronounce it. Sobolski himself pronounces McAuliffe. So you can have a character right. with the name McAuliffe. And Sebi married a McAuliffe. I don't know if you know this. You're joking. No. Okay. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. Why don't you, why don't you talk with her? Uh, I know like you're all hoity-toity and stuff over there. You can have a couple conversations with people. How many we are there in the world? <laughs> yeah. What is going on? Anyway, so Sebi, we can now get McAuliffe in the game. There's a few Maltese people that are really happy right now. I still have to be Jesse Robinson because they don't have Rubinoff. No, they don't have no. Rubinoff. So do you go with Robinson? I go Jesse yeah. Robinson. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's fine, though. Maybe we'll work on getting Rubinoff yeah. into the game. Maybe now that we've talked about it on national TV, so we'll do something about it, although I highly doubt it. Well, we can get in touch with Sabolski. Rubinoff's not as common score. as... He was, he's an OG. He is an OG. He's an OG. Yeah. Not as common as... McAuliffe, clearly. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know about that. All right, this is Tim and Friends. It's a TV show. It's on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Most of the time today is one of those Hockey Central days when the big shots from hockey take over the Sportsnet airwaves, 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific, just as Rubinoff and I get the old wheels turning. But the full two hours available on Sportsnet 360, and we promise it'll be a little bit more fun than an Oilers game right now. Yikes. That's not saying much. Edmonton, the talk of the hockey world, and that's not a great thing. We'll get to it in first things first. Also, the homie, Steve Dangle, joins as I make my debut as a hockey YouTuber, Jesse. I'm one of the kids. I'm YouTubing with Dangle tomorrow. Given the state of the Canadian clubs right now in the National Hockey League, maybe it's fitting that we have a dude (laughs) on that wrote a book entitled, This Team is Ruining My Life Today. Yeah. Well, I'm going to watch. That's going to be a lot of fun. I actually did look at the standings today, and for the first time in a long time, it hit me. Like, what's going on? Like, for the most part, they all stink in some way, shape, or form. And other than Vancouver ladies, is, we're going to get Jets into the maybe. COVID thing that Vancouver is hit. Like, even they got a little bit of a bump with Bruce, there it is, yeah. and then smacked in the face by the COVID thing again. We'll get through all of that in just a flash. And speaking of homies, Nate Burleson. As we are down to eight in the NFL tournament, are the Bills the best in the AFC? Mm. Can Derrick Henry get the Titans over the top? And is Tom Brady going to do it again? Speaking of eight, all coming up with Nate. Without further ado from your humble narrator, let's get to the festivities with Jesse Rubinoff. First things first. So give me the plan, Miro Shatan. Let's go. Sabres could use him. First things. Oilers could use him. Oilers could use him. Oilers could use just about anybody at this point in time because it was another day, another loss for those Edmonton Oilers. Despite outshooting the Panthers 40-28, the Oilers lost their seventh straight game last night thanks to a third-period implosion where they gave up four goals and ended up losing six nothing. So Tim, what's your biggest takeaway from this one? Same thing every day. <sighs> yep, three of those. I did ask to see the team come out flying. The team did come out flying. They outshot one of the best teams in the National Hockey League 14 to 2 to start the game. Shots on goal through two periods. 29 to 13 in favor of the Edmonton Oilers. They did come out flying, and yet only this iteration at this juncture in time of the Edmonton Oilers could still find a way to lose that game 6 nothing. I mean, I know there were power plays late, but it felt like the Panthers were just throwing dirt on the grave late there, yeah. scoring, what, five times in the third period? Oh, yeah. Like, it got ugly And every single shot of every single Oilers fan and every single Oilers player and every single Oilers coach had the same expression. And it was the one that I just gave you three times. (laughs) (sighs) Yes, very apt. Um, So this game really is just more of a, a microcosm of what's been going on for a while now. So I think the question needs to be asked, who's to blame for what's going on at MSN? Everyone. Everyone, like I heard a lot over the last couple days, I've heard a lot of people pointing fingers like that accomplishes something. Like everyone, guys that I know and respect, Sid Sixero on Twitter, like it's this or it's that or it's this guy or it's that guy. Like it's everyone. 
bottom six not scoring. Check. Right? Mentioned that a few times. Uh, Goaltending. Check. Mentioned that about a million times. Uh, Ken Holland. Check. He could have got goaltending. Instead, he was committing, what, I don't know, $13 million a year to the trio of Keith, Barry, and CeCe? Like, Zach Cassian's making $3.2 million for seven goals in the last two seasons. Bob Nicholson. Check. Been there since 2014. He's had two GMs and five head coaches. Daryl Cates has presided over it all. Like, hell, even McDavid and Drysaddle have one goal in the last four games. Who's McDavid's Rob Brown or Chris Contos? Who's, who's Leon Drysaddle made into a superstar? Like, the greatest of all time have turned guys that you never thought were capable of, I don't know, 50 goals, mm-hmm. 60 goals, some of them, into stars. McDavid and Drysaddle haven't been able to do that as of late. They did get deals for Cassian and Barry last year with a great power play. Like, it's to pick one guy in all of this is a lack of understanding about how the game actually works. Like, there's no doubt they have struggled to surround McDavid and Drysaddle with the right players, but to pick one person out of all this. I think shows a lack of understanding of how the game actually works. What I don't understand with the Oilers right now is is why are they struggling like this to this extent now when you look at what they were at the beginning of the season. It wasn't necessarily a small sample size. 16 and 5 is not like a joke. You can't just throw that away. So what changed from 16 and 5 to now, why can't someone in the room, I don't know what goes on in the room, and I would love to be a fly on the wall to know what happens between intermissions when they go down 2 nothing, and it seems like all the body language is terrible everywhere. The body language is clearly terrible in the press conferences. It's been bad for a really long time. But why can't they find a way to work themselves out of it? Like at some point, you can't just keep changing coaches every year. Because what does that do? Okay, they change the coach, they get a little bit of a bump, and then they hit a rough stretch, and then people start throwing jerseys on the ice and they change the coach again? Like, at some point, they have to pull themselves out of it. They're professionals, and you got to be better than this. Did you hear uh, Darnell Nurse after last night's game? I did, like, This yeah. is a true test of leadership. It's easy to be a leader when you're 9-1 and one Great quote. or 16-5. and five. It's easy to lead the team and be the rah-rah guy. Like, it's a test for all the leaders on our team. I agree with them. And... Like, I think everyone needs to relax a little bit here because what you talked about was a 21-game stretch, 16-5. and And if you just fire everybody after terrible 20-game stretches, you're not the franchise that anyone wants to work for or play for. I'm sorry. Like, you need some sort of stability within the organization. And every time when the knee-jerk reaction is fire everybody, like, I don't know what you accomplish. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I have no idea what you do with this team other than to try and let them dig their way out of this right now. And I know that's not good enough for Oilers fans. They want to see everybody, but mm-hmm. haven't you already gone through this? Multiple times. Multiple so, times. Like, listen, this is a rough 20-game stretch. I get it. It's been terrible. It's been made worse by the fact that you're playing, like, one game a week. So 
after that terrible game, you stew on it for six days, and that's because of COVID, and that's because of the Canadian border, and that's because you can't get fans into the stands. Like, there's a bunch of things playing into this, but you can't just fire everybody after a bad, a yeah. terrible, and I won't say bad, I'll say terrible. It's been a terrible 20 games, but I don't think you fire everybody. What are the best teams established? They establish a culture and a program. We hear about the best teams talk about program all the time, but if you are constantly changing things up, <laughs> It's not a program in any way, shape, or form. If you want to develop a program and have some development in your organization, you need continuity. I, I, do get, I do get that there are some who believe that the same problems that ailed this team four years ago mm-hmm. are still there. And you've changed the GM. And you've changed the coach. When did, uh, when did Ken Holland get there? Or two years ago. More than that, no? Three, two and a half years ago. This is third season, season. yeah. So, I mean, okay. So, that brings us to another issue with this. The obvious thing that Ken Holland can do here that I think many Oilers fans would look at the offseason and say he screwed up. Get a goalie. Is get a goalie. Because you said last year, before Mike Smith played really well, that what are the Oilers going to do in net? What if Mike Smith gets hurt? He's old. Yeah. and aging and hasn't always been healthy. And this is exactly what's happening. And they banked on having Miko Koskinen as the one who could step in there, and clearly that That's hasn't worked out. another bad deal too, right? Yeah. Like they've got a bunch of bad deals that you can't make up for. Like you can't just – who's going to take Miko Koskinen off of your hands? Yeah, it's a lot of money and a guy who clearly is not prepared – to, to play at this a lot level of like right now. Six four games early, yeah. and it made him look okay. And then Mike Smith comes back, and then Koskinen falls off, and then Mike Smith's out again. Like, I mean, who would have thought banking on a forty-year-old goalie would go astray? Like, <laughs> he was good last year. Yeah, I was. get it. Yeah, I get it. But I, I think there were other things that they needed to do this year to help that defensive core. But signing a bunch of offensive defensemen and not replacing the goalie. I don't know that that's the right spot to be in. But I'll tell you this, like, I'm sitting here saying, like, 20-game stretch, you can't fire everybody. I know damn well, you know damn well, that if the Flames go in there and blow their doors off on Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada, the bleep's going to hit the fan. Yeah, Tiffett's getting fired. And, And if people, like, if there are players on that team who want that to happen, you may see that on Saturday night. Like, you and I have been through this before. Mm-hmm. Sid and I, listen, I'm 25 years in the game. It's not often that you see teams quit on coaches, but it happens. It happens. And if they want someone out right now, Flames, Oilers, home, Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, it could get ugly there. Uh, I just want to get to, to one twenty. And it set. seems like nothing's happening today, for those wondering. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, important to point out. Uh, yeah. Sean writes in, the thing I appreciate with Tim McAuliffe is that he doesn't get into the hot takes or excessive negativity. It's so refreshing. Easy to be negative about this team right now, but like we both said, I think it is an organizational thing, and you can't just fire everybody because then, then what do you do? It's funny because like, uh, I feel like I save my hot takes for when I really feel strongly about something. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that most of the hot take users are moving up in this business right yeah. now. I, sh- I should be doing more hot. I should be spitting more are fire. We, are we anti-hot take? I, I, I think we are anti-hot take. Yeah. But every once in a while, I do get fired up. And people are like, whoa, McAuliffe said something here. But it's usually when I feel really, really strongly about something and I have the stats and numbers to support it. Then I'll go off. 
this one, I just, I, if you take a measured approach at this one, I don't know that just firing everybody gets you anywhere. Yeah, get on a little mini streak, and you never know what could happen. But um, yeah, just Saturday win, night. Yeah, just win one game. Uh, much more on the Oilers coming up, but let's go to the Vancouver Canucks, who announced yesterday that JT Here's Miller hot and Thatcher Demko <laughs> have entered the NHL's COVID protocol. That means the Canucks will face a first-place Panthers team tonight with a very depleted lineup. Tim, after the show yesterday, you said you felt like you didn't do the story it's justice. Uh, the floor is yours. What do you want to say about the Canucks? That they have 16 players in COVID protocols since December 14th. Like, I'm not sure anyone outside of Vancouver has talked about that near enough. Brandon Sutter's still out with long COVID, but it's just a flu. Since December 14th, they've played nine games, all of them on the road, and have still managed to go 5-3-1. Three of their dudes are still stuck in the United States of America quarantining in the hotels. Like, this is a mess. And I'm not sure how in the good name of Harold Schnapps they're expected to win games here. Like, their top three scoring forwards will not play tonight. Both their goalies will not play tonight, leaving Spencer Martin and Michael DiPietro <laughs> to play against the Panthers and the Blues at least this weekend. Two really good teams. Now, Martin gets the call tonight. He's 26 and hasn't played a game in the NHL since a 5-0 loss to the Kings. In 2017! It's 2022! <laughs> this is his fourth NHL game tonight. I'm not ripping on Spencer Martin. I'm ripping on the situation. This is ridiculous. But then again, so are the last couple of years. Yep. So if JT Miller doesn't play tonight, they're missing three of the... Four top scorers for the Canucks. Yeah, they're missing the top three scoring forwards. You can put Hughes into the top four if you want, but their three best forwards, at least point total-wise, will be out. It's just um, incredibly unfortunate. Obviously, the entire pandemic, this whole situation is unfortunate for everybody. Uh, but it is unfortunate, particularly in Vancouver, when COVID you have... COVID playing, COVID, COVID playing. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's... Top scorers, COVID playing, COVID, COVID playing. It's just they get the boost, the Bruce, there it is, and things yeah, are suddenly good. looking up. Everyone's feeling good again, and this sidetracks them. I mean, it's out of your control. Like, I, what can you really do? I'm really interested in what this team does in and around the deadline and how they can win games right now. Like, how do they win these two games? I have no idea. But, uh, okay, so they're not completely out of it yet. They were playing really well. The COVID thing is impacting their playoff chances. Listen, they're 5-3-1 in those nine games. But honestly, you're, you're playing a goaltender who has a career goals against average mm -hmm. of 448 and hasn't played in five years. Like, you're asking a bleep load of Spencer Martin or Michael DiPietro. Yes. They and are I saw trouble. him play in the OHL several times. Yeah. I like him. He's got good a good kid. record in the AHL, for sure. Uh, they're definitely in trouble, but you look at the standings there. If they can hang on a little bit, they're not completely out of it. How, which, no, but what do you like? What? Honestly, yeah. how do they hang on without their three of their top four scores and their top two goalies? This is the NHL, man. You lose three games doesn't mean you're out of it. Doesn't mean you're out of it. They can get hot. We just saw them win what? Ten of eleven. The guys that come across the border might have to quarantine again. For, yeah, ten days. Unless they meet him in the States. The 10 days thing, I know Bruce Boudreaux was upset about it. It's causing some serious problems for Canadian teams, particularly the Vancouver Canucks. Without a doubt. Yeah. 
That stinks. But the JT Miller trade rumors are out there. Like, there's a lot going on with, right. with Vancouver. That's what I was saying about how interesting yeah. the team moving Yeah, forward. that's the big name. Uh, okay, sticking with hockey, Tom Wilson was in the news last night. Hey, yo, for uh, laying this huge hit on Anton Bleed. A big hit. Tim, it's time to play our favorite game. What game? What are you talking about? What game? Our favorite. You know what game. Come on here. This is zero, right? Like the answer is nil, nada, none. In, in fact, kind of refreshing, no, Jesse, to have a hit where everyone can look at it and go, oh, pretty damn good hit. Let's move on. Yeah. I feel like we've been champions for like, first of all, yes, player safety, of course, but good hockey hits. And we haven't seen them very often. And even when they happen, sometimes everyone hops on Twitter and Instagram and says that person should be suspended for two, three, four, five games. <laughs> but like you think that instantly when Tom Wilson makes a hit like this, everyone's going to say, oh, he's yeah. got to be suspended. But heads are going to explode. The heads are going to explode. It did but not. Everybody was OK with it. Like every like 99 percent of people like, oh, clean hit. That's weird. You know what <laughs> Tom pissed me off about that what? was that hit was so nice. Yeah. Right. Big hit, and people are debating it a little bit more. I mean, 95% of the people were like, clean, great hit. Yeah. And no one focused on the Garnet Hathaway hit that probably should be suspendable at least more than two minutes for interference. Yeah, because Tom Wilson covers everything. Yeah. that's You hear his name, he gets involved. Yeah, it's a bad hit. Yeah, that's not good. Those are the most dangerous hits, in my opinion. Like, the three feet from the boards, guys turn, you don't know. Like, that if is it's not Marshawn, too, like, low into the, like, that was, yes. That wasn't an attempt to injure a guy. Yes. Not a good hit. No. Uh, but Tim, Tom Wilson's, very nice. Clean. Big very hit. good hockey hit. Looked uh, like Uncle Timmy back in the day. Hope Anton bleeds okay, though, obviously. Yes. Uh, but that, that's a big man to can run we, into. Like, can we get past this point where we have to say, like, let me just, any hit that we see, we hope the guy's okay. <laughs> Like I know what you're doing. I know what you're yeah. doing because no, no, no. people are out there saying, like, what are you guys, idiots? Like celebrating the hit he where could the guy be got hurt. hurt. Yeah, yeah. Of course we think that he needs to be okay before we talk about the hit. But things happen. You can't bubble it, wrap everything. No, it is. It is a conversation for another day in that, like, if, if a clean hit like that injures a guy to that extent, like, who knows how long he's going to be out for, whether he has concussion or whatever. Yeah. Like, there I mean, needs to be a terrible. conversation to be had eventually. Like, these guys are big. The equipment's bigger. Things are happening faster. I think most people get that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's move on to baseball then. Because yesterday, MLB's executive council rejected the Tampa Bay Rays' sister city proposal, which would have brought baseball back to Montreal. Tim, you 24 hours to digest this news. What's your biggest takeaway? How dead this seems in the water. And from all accounts, given the time to talk to some people, it seems as though like Montreal was all in on this and they felt like they had a real big shot at getting summer baseball without a retractable dome stadium, not having to play in May when it's cold, not having to play in early uh, spring, still winter in Montreal, and that they could build this little bit cheaper, summer-only great ballpark in Montreal, and now that's all done. And uh, it feels like, listen, there are a lot of people who love baseball in this country. We've seen the crowds at the Big O in Montreal for the Toronto Blue Jays. That moment for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm -hmm. hitting the walk-off home run felt like it was kind of this explosion of, yes, Major League Baseball needs to go to Montreal. And from talking to everyone, I didn't realize how far along Montreal was 
and how big a shot this was to those hopes. I hope that Stuart Sternberg looks at this and says, maybe we just move the team to Montreal, period. Yeah. And maybe someone else in Montreal gets in on this so that they can build the really expensive stadium that it would take to house a Major League Baseball team. Because, to be honest with you, I would love to see Toronto-Montreal in the American League East. Everybody would. Yeah. Everybody would. Yeah, it was a nice idea. But if you really think about it, the base level, mm-hmm. like playing two cities, yeah, probably wasn't going to happen. I, honestly, sister cities is going to happen. Bring it then. And have Montreal be the first one. Well, it's done now. <laughs> Just figure it out. But I guarantee the future. you, the future, we don't have time for this. Future of sports is going to be sister city. Really? Yeah, I, I really think that what they were kind of hinting at may work where you don't have to invest all that money into mm-hmm. a team. You end up getting two local team deals because like TV and radio yeah, yeah. because both teams or both cities could be invested. Uh, I think you might see that mm. more to eliminate really small markets. Look at the economics. Teams. All right. Still to come. Best of the week. Nate Burleson also going to help us tee up divisional weekend in the NFL. We'll talk more Oilers. Check in with Gene Principe. Plus, I'm going to watch the Leaf game with Steve Dangle tomorrow on that YouTube thing. Dangle's going to join us next to discuss, so long as he hasn't slept in. Also get to the Habs, the Oilers, the Cards. Tim and Friends Friday. I'm oh, yeah! <laughs> I'm telling you, his whole personality changes when he gets slime in his hand. Look at the slime on! Jimmy, you're talking about how much longer can Brady play at this level? As long as he has good weapons like this and trust around him, the sky's the limit for a guy like Brady still at this age. Hey, hey what's up? This is BM63. Well, I don't know which one this is, but uh, hope you have a lot of fun tonight because I know I'm going to. Anyways, gotta go. I wrote a book, a full book, about my Leafs fandom called This Team is Ruining My Life. This media gets kind of up sometimes when it comes to me stop disrespecting me bro like don't do that stop asking me stupid questions still a come on tim and friends nate dog that's right my dude nate burleson drops by to get you set for the divisionals in the nfl jesse rubinoff will make the case that tom brady is playing the best football of his career at the tender age of what like 44 that's correct Older than my next guest. Uh, so long as he didn't sleep in, hockey YouTuber, CEO of his own podcast network, author, I'm starting to feel lazy, it's Steve Dangle. What's up, my dude? Hey, how you doing? I watched one Tom Brady game here, the Super Bowl. It's, uh, it's a great time. I, en- I enjoy it. Yeah, you watch, it and, and most, most years you do watch that. Um, I, do. I do. I I feel like for a dude that wrote a book called This Team is Ruining My Life, yeah. you, you could weigh in on a lot of different fan bases right now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer you up with that background behind you. Which fan base of a Canadian team do you feel the most empathy for right now? Ooh, most empathy for, I gotta say, oh, you know, Edmonton is the easy answer because of the week that they had, but man, the Montreal Canadiens, they've, they've had <laughs> such a tough time. And yes, after everything they put me through last spring, I can't believe I'm actually saying that, but you look at their roster some nights, especially like, right before and right after the shutdown, I'm like, oh, they don't have players. 
And it's been like this all year. Like they've won eight games, but since I think it's November 22nd or 25th, the Montreal Canadiens and Edmonton Oilers have the same amount of wins. So that's a pretty good one two. One city is handling it a little bit better because there wasn't nearly as much hope associated with the season. I, I feel horrible for Oilers fans, man. And certain expect like you're like, okay, I got an I got an excuse for the Montreal Canadiens. And hey, we might get Shane right out of this. And like the Edmonton Oilers are getting none of that right now. They're just looking around going, we have absolutely no excuses for why this is what it is. Like, I'm, I'm with you. Like, Montreal might be there. Even Vancouver, right? Like, they've been through a lot. They finally get a little glimmer of hope with Bruce. There it is. And now another dose of COVID, and they're on to their eighth string goaltender. I, it's really not fair. And if, if you look at the standings, I believe the Leafs are the only Canadian team in the playoffs, which brings me no pleasure. I work here. We need all seven of them in. Yes. That'd be much better yes. for all involved. Uh, but it, at least with the Canucks, you know, th- there was some heat put on and the path forward seemed very clear. There's a GM who had been there for eons. One of the most secure jobs in all of Canada was NHL general manager. And Travis Green had been there a while. They needed some new blood and it was easy. Just say goodbye and then say hello. That's basically how it all works. Shout out Rachel Dory, by the way, for getting that job at the Canucks. With the Oilers, this is Ken Holland's first 82-game season with the organization, if I'm not mis- right. uh, mistaken, because he had the first COVID year and then second, I, which is a, just an awful sentence. I know. Look at his reaction to that sentence. <laughs> it's a terrible sentence. Sure. But I, I've i never seen – I don't think I can think of a GM who got fired after – that's not how you wear it, dude. I can't think of a GM who's gotten fired after two years, but this falls squarely on him. Like Part of the reason Dave Tibbet seems so flummoxed in the media and dry sidle seems so pissy if i can say that uh in the media is they're not allowed to just be like listen our goaltending sucks what what do you want me to say well yeah. exactly that yeah the, the goaltending sucks and the defense isn't much better in front of it they need personnel changes and that's a lot harder to pull off than simply firing the coach which i gotta be honest i don't think it'd do anything yeah especially when you're up against the cap the way do you have any advice I mean, listen, there's some synergy between Leaf fans and Oiler fans and what they've been through and expectations and having high-end talent and spending a lot against the cap on your high-end talent. Like, is there any advice that you can give from a Leaf fan who we've kind of seen see it? Yeah, my my advice is bring it on. Uh, You know, take part in one of your favorite pastimes. Send an angry tweet to a guy from Ontario. I, I, I get it. No, not him. Not that one. Yeah, that's yeah. the wrong one. Yeah, that's the wrong guy. And then the guy from, is from Germany, yeah. He's from Newmarket. That guy's from Germany. I'm yeah. from Scarborough. You go ahead and say mean tweets to me all the time. Uh, you know, I, I wrote an article in 2017 um, when the Oilers made the playoffs for the first time in I don't know how many years. And the article was, like, genuinely from the heart, like, I'm so happy for Oilers fans because they've been through so much. And like, as a Leafs fan, I know what it's like to have a team stink and not make the playoffs for a long time. I I meant it from the heart. This is so great for you guys. Almost every comment on the article is shut the hell up and stuff it. You (laughs) Toronto piece of garbage. So 
if that's what makes you feel better, Steve underscore dangle on Twitter, send away. It's, I'm fatter than You'll I used it. to be. Start with that one. Yeah, for sure. If you're a sure. dad, you're allowed to get a little fatter once you're a dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but be mean about it. <laughs> but be mean about it. Yeah. Uh, how worried are you about the Leafs and their, uh, their the reemergence of blown 3 1 leads? <sighs> I, <laughs> this is how I know I'm getting old, man, because I can't believe they blew a 4-1 lead, a 3-1 lead, and lost to Arizona, a 3-1 lead, and then a 3-1 lead. And people are in my mentions like, uh, what's the problem? You know, you're overreacting. What are you so worried about? And I'm like, oh, you just got here. <laughs> uh, like, oh, the, the coach says they're soft and they're purposeless. Oh, you just got here. For crying out loud, like all of us want the same thing. And I feel bad for the Leafs because they cannot win playoff games in January. Right. <laughs> and that's kind of what we're asking them to do. But this fan base's and the team's relationship with results broke last year. They were clearly head and shoulders the best team in the division, and they still blew it. Right. So it's a lot more about the process this year, and I think that's what a lot of people want to see. You know, if you have a game like the one in St. Louis, which was incredibly sloppy, but, you know, they managed to scrape out a win. You know, they, they battled and they didn't give up. They scrape out a win. I, I'm on board with that. I, I can dig that. But this, this from the Rangers, my goodness. Ryan Strom, underrated Leaf killer. That guy always seems to score what on about, them. What about Ryan Reeves? It, uh, like, dominated. All the Ryans, <laughs> all the Ryans, all the Ryans yeah. <laughs> were the, the Ryans. I think would have. Uh, I think the score would have been three-three right. if they just counted goals from guys named Ryan. <laughs> um, man, they they have they've taken leaps and bounds in front of the other team's net this year. They're a far harder team to play against, more difficult in front of their own net. My God, people yes. are talking about Jack uh, Campbell's numbers slipping. No kidding, he's got no one there. That, that's the part I think that we'll talk about tomorrow. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm going on with Steve tomorrow night. That's right. I'm becoming a hockey YouTuber too. As I watch a Leafs game with Steve Dangle tomorrow, Leafs Islanders find it. Sportsnet YouTube. Um, so w- what should I expect from watching a Leaf game with Steve Dangle? Or I've seen it before. If there are viewers out there that haven't watched the Leaf game with Steve Dangle or a Habs game with Steve Dangle. First, shame on you. Second, join us. What are they going to see? Oh, uh, neck beard, apparently, if (laughs) if you wait long enough. Look at that. That's awful. No, I was freaking out during the playoffs. I freak out every Saturday. We've had some unbelievable games, man. The Leafs have blown two 4-1 leads <laughs> on yeah. Saturdays this year. Uh, they won one, they lost one, and I lost my mind at both. It always seems to be uh, an entertaining time. Uh, come be happy with me. Come be miserable with me. And if the game goes to overtime, the rule is we drink a beer. Uh, I literally get up from my chair and I go and get a beer and I crush it. Uh, hopefully, overtime lasts for four minutes and fifty-nine seconds, and we have a dramatic uh, end to it, so I can get to the the bottom of the of the uh, bottle or can. I think now, I have cans. Now I know why Sixero hung around for the third period last time because he was hoping for overtime. 
He's no dummy. He's no dummy. He's got to figure it out. <laughs> well, all right. Do we still do the Lou Lamarillo versus Kyle Dubas thing? Oh, we we could do it. We could what in, impressions wise or, or, or a management style? I was, I was I was like, wait a sec, I don't do a Dubas, I do a Babcock. What are you what are you what are you talking about? No, I'm talking about that conversation that people anointed. You should have kept oh. Lou Lamarillo. Look what he's doing in Long Island or on right. Long Island, uh, more specifically, versus what's happening this year, which is kind of a, like I think if you had a kept them together, you would have had the perfect team. Well, the the Leafs are tomorrow going to ice the kryptonite for the New York Islanders. For some reason, for a couple years now, the Islanders have had no shot against this Leafs, this distinct Leafs strategy of playing their backup goalie (laughs) against them. Michael Hutchinson got a shutout against them. I want to say, I want to say Joseph Wool. Uh, shut them out earlier this year, and now Peter Morazic uh, is going to go tomorrow. If Jack Campbell was in, I'd say it'd be close, but with Morazic in, pff, toast. Even though they're playing their hottest hockey of the season, toast. Well, Wall did get a shutout. Good call. Oh boy. Oh, oh, why, why? You know. Ah, you, and you said it on TV. You, you, oh, you TV guys, you TV guys. What are you talking about? I'm just giving you credit. No, wait. Did you say shout out or sh- the other one? No, oh, sh- shout out. I thought you. Shut. Out. It was good. I was giving you credit. I was in, in oh, you, good. You, you good. gave me that UTV guys, that like I'm one of those TV guys, right? This show is one fault. of those TV Cause, shows. Because it's your fault when you say it in, into the thing. Shut out. It, it was a sh- No! No! Oh, You're banned. That's You're banned. A, we need a new guest. That's, we need a new guest. Is that, is that some sort of mush? Jesse, are you free tomorrow? <laughs> are you free? I'm, I'm excited to on. watch what happens now after this, whatever's going on here. I'm right over your shoulder. <laughs> that looks terrifying oh on my the television. God, look What's at up, this. Steve? Look at this. I love it. More, more fun like this tomorrow night love it. with uh, me and Jesse. <laughs> uh, enjoy. You had Sixero on first. It must be because he's a better human being. I appreciate you nonetheless, my friend, for coming on this show today. Thank you very much, everybody. Jesse, look, looking forward to it tomorrow. Good luck, Steve. Uh, Steve Dangle, Jesse Rubinoff, tomorrow, YouTube, Sportsnet. Check it out. After the break, it's Friday, which means it's the best of the week. We'll get to the nominees, have some fun. I don't know, it's too bad that maybe we can add Dangle looking at you over your shoulder. Oh. Thing that just happened? Yeah, yeah. Like no, I'm back ago? with you. I'm back with you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Time now for the best of the week. We have scoured the internet, combed the web, and curated the best of the best for your viewing pleasure. We'll show you the options. You can head over to our Twitter account, at Tim and Friends, to vote for your favorite. We begin with a wild week for reporters and journalists, especially in Edmonton, where the word pissy has gone viral. It's been turned into a meme. You can buy t-shirts, and it's all about this exchange that you're about to see if you haven't already seen it. We have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? Nope. You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just I, answering your question. Yeah, you are. Whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not very good one. Okay. Well, I have one more for you. Leon, you show your frustration on the ice. 
last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it so the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing, for sure. Good. <laughs> yep. Was Jim Matheson in the market today? Is that what happened? <laughs> I love when you ask someone if they're pissy by being pissy. Yeah, that's what happened. Like, immediately, yeah. like, that's the one thing that I wish I had said in the moment was, you can't ask someone else if they're pissy by being pissy. Like, you got to smile and give them the old kind of, why are you being so pissy? Yeah. I'd like to check out the Google trends of the word pissy. <laughs> sure, it just went right uh, like that. By the way, 2.3 million views yeah. on our Twitter. Not bad. Uh, that back and forth. Uh, all right, listen. We told you this was a tough week for reporters. From one reporter taking shots to another. This time we head to West Virginia, where journalist Tori Yorgi went viral this week for being a tough SOB during a live hit. Please, no pun intended. Yorgi was inadvertently struck by a vehicle, but still finished her report, something literally you've got to see to believe. On the free story, Yorgi joins us now live in Dunbar. And Tori, they're not seeing any flakes, but wet roads. And now we're starting to experience, unfortunately, in freeze thaw, we see this water main breaks. hit by a car but i'm okay i just got hit by a car but i'm well, okay tim that's first um, for you I'm on okay. tv jory Woo! we're all good Are you okay? i'm okay yeah you know that's live tv for you it's all good i actually got hit by a car in college too just like that wow i am so glad i'm okay yeah you're okay you're okay we're all good this is uh oh you know what it's uh one sure woman you're okay, we're good tim ma'am you, sure you okay? are so sweet and you are okay it is all good. You know, I, <laughs> oh Lord. So you. You know, it's my last week on the job and I think this would happen. So you were bumped in, to me, Tim. Were you bumped down low, Tori, or were you hit up high? I couldn't really tell from the looking. Oh, I, I, I don't even, do you know if I was bumped down low or up high, sir? I just saw you disappear I don't even know. I don't even know, Tim. I, my whole life just flashed before my eyes. I had so many people reach out to me, and I really appreciate it. It was definitely a crazy moment. And um, after that happened, I do want to say my boss took me to the hospital. I did get checked out. Everything is okay, no broken bones, just a little bit of soreness, but it's all good. Um, you know, it was just so fast. I, I didn't even see that car coming. I had no idea. Love it. And love that she is okay. So we're looking for that update. Now, love him or hate him, Brad Marchand has been lighting up social media for the last, I don't know, week firing on all cylinders at the Carolina Hurricanes. Then, pregame against the Capitals last night, some kids trying to record over the tunnel, and Marshawn just grabs the phone and starts talking. Check it out. Thank you. Hey, what's up? This is BM63. Just walking off from uh, warm-ups. Hope, uh, I don't know whose phone this is, but uh, hope you have a lot of fun tonight because I know I'm going to. Anyways, gotta go. See ya. <laughs> so awesome. Imagine you get your phone back. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's there. Hey, listen, I heard through the grapevine or in my ear from a producer, we have a last <laughs> second nominee. Yes, Mrs. Dangle with an update during Steve's hit that we got 
Let's play it for Steve uh, Dangle has a Mrs. Dangle. Yeah, I mean, this I is from her. That account. goes without saying. Yeah. Okay, and here we go. Daddy, 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 daddy. It's really not fair. Daddy, daddy. That's awesome. That's Daddy, and that's from Mrs. Dangle. Big fan. So yeah, I think I think that's got some that's got some potential. That, 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 that could upend best of the week. A late also, entry. Uh, I also think what has some potential is you saying that goes without saying for Steve Dangle <laughs> that there's a Mrs. Dangle. No, no, no. But I, didn't I say it was Mrs. Dangle? I thought, yeah, whatever. Right, head over to our Twitter account, <laughs> at Tim and Friends, and make your pick, or if you missed any of the nominees. All right, when we come back, we're talking a little football. We'll head to Edmonton and Vancouver. We'll check in with Gene Prince and Dan Murphy. Plus, they call it the best weekend of the NFL season. We've got four great-looking matchups in the divisional round. Nate Burleson will tee it up with me coming up, second hour of Tim and Friends. Sports Talk with Jim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Chief. Do you ever know awkward hand wavers? All the time. You can always tell. Not really me. anymore. No one waves to each other anymore, but yeah. No? no? I always do the like walking by, because like, you know you're not, like people are now giving other people space. Yeah. And you kind of, you, if you're busy, like I do a lot of meetings on my phone while I'm walking, so I give the old... How you doing? That's not awkward though. And that wave that I just gave over here on national TV. Yeah, they like make over. Brian Leach is right now using <laughs> okay. for some sort of gift that will now become a part of the lexicon, like the STFU that yes. he made of Uncle Timmy doing one of those. Well, if he wasn't before, he's certainly doing <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, but the awkward wavers, something about it that really bugs me. Yeah, a lot of times people just don't want to. You be know what seen. I'm saying? Does that mean no? Like. You can also tell that, like, there's, like, manly dudes who will wave differently to women. You ever seen those? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I might be one big of those. Tough guys I like, might be, I might be, I'm not a big tough guy, but I might be one Good of those. Good to see you, Susan. Yeah. <laughs> Good to see you. Take care of yourself now. Uh, I, do you think people just don't want to see each other anymore? Like, you have a mask. There are, it's hard to recognize people. No, no. Like, I just think that there are natural introverts that are using this time just to get the hell out of the yeah, way. Yeah. And I understand it. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. How do you come back from that, though? That's I'm a, I talk for a living, and when I'm off, sometimes I don't want to talk. Oh, yeah. I don't go anywhere near you. All right. Uh, <laughs> hour number two here on Turner Friends, full hour on Sportsnet 360. A uh, half hour ago ahead of Hockey Central on the Sportsnet side of things. Nate Burleson coming up. In minutes to tee up the week. Should I ask him about it? Nah, I'll leave the waving out of it. But first, let's get to the news of the day. The Oilers held an optional skate today coming off that brutal 6-0 loss to the Panthers. And ahead of their Battle of Alberta tomorrow night on Hockey Night in Canada. With more, we send it to our man, Gene Principe in Edmonton. Ogino. Tim, it was kind of a quiet day around the Edmonton Oilers on Friday, and, and maybe that's exactly what they need with everything that's been uh, going on around the hockey club. An optional skate. We had a chance to hear from uh, some of the role players in the Edmonton Oilers, and certainly when a team is winning, and uh, especially when they're losing. There's a lot to be said about the leadership group, in particular when you have names like you know Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid and Darnell Nurse, but it is 
a team game, and that's something pointed out by both Colton Sevier and Warren Fogel. The two of them who have uh, specific roles in the Edmonton Oilers discuss the fact that, you know, inside the room there's no pointing of fingers. They, they've got to stay together. They've got to keep this together. They've got to try and help each other stay in maybe not a great mood, but a positive mood in order to try and find a way out of this current losing streak. We also listen to Dave Tippett, who I'm sure for him it feels like Groundhog Day as he tries to figure out the exact way to get his team out of this current slide and one of the things that Tippett said is that right now when it comes to his team and their approach they're all in Uh, there's nobody that's sort of doing their own thing they're trying to stick together in order to find a way to get a victory and one victory I think despite the fact it's an 82 game season would go a real long way for the Edmonton Oilers Uh, you can look at the fact that on Saturday night they do take on the Calgary Flames Tim it is the Battle of Alberta Uh, the building won't be full because it can't be full but it will be energized and it might be the exact thing the Oilers need to get that one win that they hope will get them going in the right direction. Thank you, Gino. Meantime in Vancouver, more COVID issues have hit the Canucks heading into tonight's matchup heavily shorthanded uh, with an update from Vancouver. It's our guy Dan Murphy. Dan. Tim, hello from Vancouver, where tonight the Canucks will play their first home game in five weeks, and some fans are better than none. 50% capacity at Rogers Arena. So are you a building half-empty guy or a building half-full guy? On the positive side, the Canucks won the final two games of that very difficult road trip, beating the Capitals and the Predators. Elias Pettersson is rounding into form. He's got three goals in his past two games. And, of course, the Canucks are 10-3-1 under Bruce Boudreau. If you're a building half-empty guy... While they're without their top three scoring forwards because of COVID, that would be Miller, Garland, and Horvat. They're without their starting goaltender, Demko, and his backup, Halak, both also in COVID protocols. So that means that Spencer Martin, a guy who hasn't played an NHL game in five years, starts tonight against the Florida Panthers, one of the elite teams in the league, a team that can really pour it on offensively. It shall be interesting. Tim? We will be watching Mr. Murphy and CFL News two-time defending Great Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers have signed Zach Caleros to a one-year deal. Reigning CFL most outstanding player was set to become a free agent. He'll be the highest paid player in the league this season as the Bombers try and make it three straight. This game's about winning football games and, and the journey that goes on you know, during the season and um, you know, you take a look, take a look around and, and, and a lot of us have been other places and, uh, you know, I don't think anybody wanted to, wanted to leave this group and, you know, not, not chase after, um, you know, wins every week together. 14 teams alive, 13 games ahead. One team gets its hands on the Lombardi trophy. Off we go on the road to Super Bowl 56. Burrow scrambles. Caught in the back by Boyd. Listen for the whistle. Right there it comes. It was certainly an erroneous whistle. They can't have a touchdown on that play by rule. And Cincinnati's a playoff winner for the first time since 1991. The Patriots and Bills and the most important chapter of this division rivalry. And the Bills strike first on an excuse me touchdown. Allen caught touchdown a Buffalo barrage. The Buffalo Bills stampede into the divisional round. Brady Evans is in 
for the touchdown with a flare. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win it by 16. Oh, yeah! <laughs> I'm telling you, his whole personality changes when he gets slime in his hand. Look at the slime monster! Oh, it's the abominable slime man! Watch out, Jimmy. Now look to throw. It's caught! Amari Cooper! Just knew this was going to get back to one of these moments, and here we are. Prescott takes off running the football. Whoa, I don't think this is going to work out. Official gets in the way. The game's oh over. Gosh. The game is over. San Francisco survives and advances. Mahomes, he's going deep downfield, wide open. Kelsey's going to take it all the way. Open. Hill. Touchdown. Kansas City wins it. Uh, let's get ready. is picked up. Kyler! Did he get rid of it? It's intercepted! Nearly had him for the safety for two. Instead, it's six, and it's a Rams touchdown. Rams have no turnovers, allowed just one sack. They've given themselves the opportunity now to go to the next stage of the tournament. And allow me to add that Cowboys-Niners game on CBS and Nickelodeon, the most watched wildcard game since 2015. Without a doubt, that had something to do with our dude. Our dude, the hardest working man in showbiz and AG. Forget the uh, deep hip-hop cuts. Let's run a few deep breaths with Nate Burleson. Nate Dog, you good? I'm good, baby. How you doing, man? I am, I am very good. How much fun is it to do that broadcast? It's really fun, you know, just for the simple fact that as much as I want to dive into like hardcore X's and O's, I was able to pull back and just be a kid again. I mean, I know we work in a space where occasionally we can kind of dive into that bag and say, all right, I'll be a fan of the sport for a minute, but let me get back to my job. For three hours, I was just a kid watching football, tossing up animations and graphics, and, and really speaking through the 12-year-old Nate Burleson that lives inside of us. So it was a fun game. But there were some moments, though, where I'm like, all right, I need to, I need to go hardcore X's and O's right now. Yeah. And I had to make sure that I didn't go too far over the edge. I feel like uh, eventually we'll get to a hybrid, honestly. Like, there, there will be two broadcasts of every game, and there will be a hybrid broadcast where – you speak in the, I, I, there's a quote out there from Yates, and I'm going to misquote it here, but it's, think like a wise man, communicate in the language of the people. And yep. I, I believe that we're, we're almost there when it comes to sports and when I watch Nickelodeon. That's what I think of. It's just, you're just communicating in the language of the people. And you know, you, listen, you know, if, there, if there's an audience, yeah. there's a stage. Yeah. And we're just on stage. Uh, all right, some debate where the marquee matchup is this weekend because all four games are pretty damn good. So let's start in the NFC with one of your old quarterbacks, Matt Stafford. We were talking about the pressure on him last week. He gets his first playoff win, looked pretty damn good. The reward, a road game to face Tom Brady and his seven rings. How do you think this one breaks down? Who would have thought? Matt Stafford sitting back. Now in a position where he's in this tremendous matchup with a lot on the line. Um, a couple of guys stand out in this matchup. It's not just Matt Stafford. It's also OBJ getting their first playoff victories. Yeah. Um, and they look comfortable. So, you know, let's just put it all out there on the table. What does this mean about Detroit? It's a team that I played for. It's a city that I love. Um, it's an organization that is near and dear to my heart. But what does this mean about the years that Matt Stafford spent within that organization? What about OBJ? What does this mean 
for the Cleveland Browns. What does this mean? What does this say about Baker Mayfield? Seems like these guys have a connection that is really unmistakable. And and they haven't been together a, a long time, and still they're connecting at a high rate. With all that said, this is about getting after the quarterbacks. I think physically, if they can get after Tom Brady, this is a different game. Now, on the flip side, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense can get after Matt Stafford, I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about mentally. If they can shake him up, rattle him up, then this will be a game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to walk away with. And I, I, I truly do mean that. If Matt Stafford is rattled in this game, which doesn't happen often, but if they can rattle him, this is going to be a game where it's an uh, easy enough win for the Buccaneers to really just mosey on into the NFC Championship game. But with all that said, I don't see it that way. I oh, honestly yeah. feel like the Rams are destined. Just think about what they were able to do. Darren Donald looked like a beast. Even when he's not making the play, he's making the play. And then that opportunistic defensive backfield, like they're going to take advantage of any error that Tom Brady makes, which is rare, as we know. So I don't think that the average fan pays enough attention to the injury report. And the Bucks defense right. is getting healthier. So yeah. that might be a play a factor. But the offense yeah. has dealt with things all year. But against that defense that you just mentioned, how important is the health of all pro tackle Tristan Wirfs and center Ryan Jansen? Well, it's extremely important. At this point in the season, um, it's all about who's the healthiest. Let me just... Let's put it all on the table for a second. Once you get into the playoffs, it's like the NCAA tournament. Who's healthy at the right time? I don't think that when I made it to the playoffs, and listen, I wasn't on a team that was destined to be Super Bowl champions before week one. But what I what I do realize is once we got into the tournament, I could care less of what you look like on paper. All I cared about is how healthy we were and how healthy you were. So when you think about teams that are getting healthy versus teams that are losing guys, that's a big deal. When, when I was watching the 49ers game, and I'm yeah. sitting there in Dallas, and I see Fred Warner go down. I see Bosa go down. I'm not thinking about the win in the moment. I'm thinking about what this is going to mean for next week. So when you have guys getting healthy, that means wonders, not just for your team, offensively, defensively, special teams, but the confidence. If we have more guys healthy than you, that's a big deal going into the matchup. Uh, everyone's announced is practicing right now. Uh, the offensive line in Tampa, and you mentioned, listen, if, if Warner and Bosa don't play, do the Niners stand a chance against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers? I don't think so. Yeah. And I hate to be matter of fact like that, and, and maybe this is motivation. Maybe this is... Uh, bulletin board material. You know, you know, we're, we're going to have NFL players, um, GMs, coaching staff, organizations, fans. They all listen to this show, so they're going to say, "Nick, out of your mind, what are you talking about? That's absolutely ridiculous." No, I'm keeping it real though, and that's what I want to do is is give people the the understanding of what it seems like for a team to go into a matchup with guys that are banged up. I promise you, if superstars on the offense or defensive side. You will see that man smiling. And this isn't just about him throwing a touchdown to his wide receivers or running a touchdown in like we're watching right now. When you see a guy that you know is a beast on the other end going down and you have to face that person next week, you kind of smile to yourself and you say, all right, that's one less dude I have to worry about. But with that said, and we've, we've been, I mean, we've been knowing each other for a long time. We've been having intimate conversations for quite some time. 
you remember a couple of years ago when we were talking about the Green Bay Packers and how good they were and how well Aaron Rodgers playing. He was coming off a game against the 49ers in the regular season, and then they end up drawing the 49ers in the postseason. And what did the 49ers do? They beat up on the Green Bay Packers. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen or it's bound to happen or the 49ers, they have the number of the Packers. But let me just pull back the curtain a little bit. Sometimes recent history, like as athletes, our recent memory, that's enough to give guys confidence that isn't realistic. So I am the 49ers. I'm going into Green Bay with nothing to lose, realizing that everybody's counting us out. Oh, and not to mention, we were one of only teams over the last three years to rattle Aaron Rodgers. Matter of fact, I'm tripping. I'm bugging. Let me say that again. We were one of few teams to rattle Aaron Rodgers over the course of his career. So that is enough to, to be a bigger factor than the actual game plan itself. The reason I brought up the, the defensive injuries on the Niners was, one, you brought it up, and two, I really like the Niners healthy. Like, I thought, listen, it's, it's going to be a, a high of 11, minus 11 Celsius. That's 13 Fahrenheit. Like, I thought that played to the Niners' strengths. Like, I still might bet on the Niners with the number because, like, I feel like that doesn't – like, I think that – I know Aaron Rodgers saying the colder the better. I, I think that that plays hey, into uh, the Niners' hands. Damn, I got to keep it real with you, though. When Aaron Rodgers says the colder the better – Lying. I am. He ain't lying, man. Like, I've seen him out there in the elements. Uh, I mean, I've seen myself like, damn. Like, what can stop this dude? I know I'm frosty. I know my team is frosty. Like, I I, I feel like my digits are going numb. Teeth are chattering. Uh, All of these elements are starting to weigh on us like like a, a, a ton of bricks. And I'm thinking to myself, what can stop Aaron Rodgers? In my mind, I'm thinking Jack. And he's playing better in the elements than Jack Frost. So, like, the Aaron Rodgers might be saying that, and people are like, yeah, whatever. I mean, it's it, it's one of those disadvantages that everybody has to deal with. Not really, though, man. Like, Aaron Rodgers has big hands. For some reason, I've never seen him cold in the snow. And if Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers just might be a little bit taken aback by the weather, we know that Aaron Rodgers isn't. Uh, Jack Ish, third-round pick out of North Dakota State, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get to the AFC. Bills and Chiefs uh, AFC Championship oh. rematch. A clear marquee in the American Football Conference. Both teams look pretty damn good last week. Where do you see this one decided? Outside of the pocket. And, and what I mean by that is the two quarterbacks that are the best in the game. And, I, and I'm not just saying that, you know, and, and throwing that up against the wall. I'm saying that statistically. Like these two quarterbacks outside the pocket, they lead the league and statistical categories that are impressive. When they leave the pocket, we're talking about percentage, plays down the field, and touchdowns. They're the best in the game. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. So who can keep these quarterbacks in the pocket? And I think it's more important for KC, the Chiefs, to keep Josh Allen in the pocket because once he gets to moving, he extends the play so much. We talked about this. The average play lasts six seconds. When Josh Allen extends the play, he gives a receiver like me the ability to run two routes. Sometimes he runs around so much, I can run three routes. Now, I promise you, you could be the best in the game. You could be the human version of Madden and all the sliders up to 99, 99, all across the board. If I'm running three routes as a wide receiver in one football play, you will not stop me. So th- think about the combination that he has with his wide receivers, more specifically, Stefan Diggs, for him to leave that pocket, keep looking, keep looking, pump faking, pump faking, and then 
the linebackers and DBs that are in that space thinking he's going to run. So they're pulling up while wide receivers are going deep. Like that's a big deal. So keep your eyes on that. If I can tell you one thing to keep your eyes on is how much Patrick Mahomes leaves the pocket and makes big plays downfield and how much Josh, Josh Allen leaves the pocket and make big plays downfield. So that's where this game will be won. Yeah, I think it will be fought in the trenches, but it will be won outside the pocket because there's these momentum changing, these swings, these big plays that changes the complexion of the game, and, and that's where I'll be looking. All right, I got two more questions in two and a half minutes because we're going to jam as much in as we possibly can. Uh, we all know that stats are like Nicki Minaj videos. They show a lot, but they don't show everything. So I ask you, super stat or meaningless number, the Bills are 0-5 in games decided by seven points or less. Well, that's a super stat. And, and I feel like stats are also like Lil Wayne. I mean, they can be misleading, but if you really listen to what he's saying, there's truth in there. Oh, I make that up. <laughs> Uh, here's the thing. Um, you have to pay attention to these big moments. Remember when we were having a conversation and I said there's going to be some bright lights that will um, catch these young superstars off guard. I'm not saying Kyler Murray was shook, but I am saying he was shook up. Um, so if there is a moment that might be too big, we know over the last couple of years, history has told us that Patrick Mahomes, he isn't going to be shook. I mean, he's going to be able to weather the storm, if you will, regardless of how cold it is. And if this comes down to the wire, you know who I trust? Mm -hmm. I trust Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs over Josh Allen and the Bills. No offense to those Bills. Uh, somewhere Kyler Murray is saying, what the, yo, where the love go? Uh, that's Lil Wayne for you. Uh, okay. okay. All right. Last, last one for you. Uh, bigger story in the Titans-Bengals game. Derrick Henry's return or the Bengals' ability to protect Joe Burrow? It's Derrick Henry. Because he's either going to be the king of making plays or the king of distraction. What do I mean by that? He will look as fresh as we've seen him before, before he was injured, and he will be dominant. Or he will be the ultimate decoy, the king of distraction. I mean, I'm talking about play-action football, him lining up in the backfield, linebackers, DBs, all focused on him while Tannehill drops back and delivers balls down the field. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a, a game where Derrick Henry, regardless of how he looks, he's going to have a huge impact on the game. Don't fall for everybody saying, well, I don't know how healthy he's going to be. If he's <laughs> still, people will pay attention. That's a fact. Yeah, it is unbelievable how good he's been over the last three years, whether or not that means the Titans win. Uh, remains to be seen. I mean, we could be seeing Joe Burrow busting out, or we could be seeing the Titans finally breaking through. Five, four, three, two, where the ones go. Uh, we are on our, on our lapel. On our like, lapel. I, I can't even compete with you, bro. I, I can't uh, even. <laughs> uh, little Wayne, pass. Nate Dog, uh, it all comes together on Tim and Friends. I appreciate you, brother. I'll see you next week. Without a doubt, Nate Burleson, everybody. Uh, we'll get to our NFL picks and a closer look at the ageless one. Tom Brady in a bit, plus more hockey talk after the break, including your thoughts on the Oilers. More ahead of Hockey Central on Sportsnet. Tim and friends. 
Twins here on Sportsnet for another about four minutes. We'll continue on Sportsnet 360 with a look at Tom Brady and how the bleep he's doing what he is doing mm-hmm. at this age. Uh, we'll also get you to Hockey Central, as I mentioned. But there's some breaking news in the NFL before we start talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so according to Tom Pelissero, uh, the NFL just sent a memo to the remaining playoff clubs with a significant update to COVID testing, eliminating the distinction between vaccinated and unvaccinated players who will no longer be subject to daily testing per sources. So uh, offhand, just thinking of a couple names that we know that are unvaccinated or immunized, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Cole Beasley. So it looks like they don't have to daily test yeah, moving forward here in the playoffs. After you got COVID, you needed to daily test because anyway, Aaron Rodgers yeah. got COVID. And uh, I mean, how many players have gotten it? I just, I follow the money on this one. This means less people on the COVID list, which means more people available to play in the game. Yeah, I mean, bad scenario for the NFL if Aaron Rodgers tests positive now. Or like last year, right? Like a lot of people were worried that someone would test, some significant name would test positive before the Super Bowl. Right. So they're trying to kind of nip that in the bud. Nip that in the bud. Uh, Okay, we talked a lot about uh, the Edmonton Oilers uh, earlier in the show. I just want to get to a couple of takes online, responses to what we had to say. Huey says... Uh, so the GM wasted so much money this offseason that uh, you can't allow this to happen uh, if Holland spends the cap room. So Huey is, is saying that basically this is all Ken Holland's fault, similar to what our friend Sid Sixero had to say uh, yesterday on Twitter. Uh, Blue says, what coach survives this slide? I mean, Tip sounds like a solid dude, but he's lost the locker room here. Plus, maybe the goaltending isn't the best, which is an interesting take, like, Yes, it, 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 we've talked about how many coaches have gone through, but it is possible that the messaging has been lost here in the locker room, and then how do you recover from that if you're Dave Tippett? That's a, it's a question that only the guys in the room right. know. Yeah. Uh, and again, as I said off the top of the show, if you just fire everybody after a bad 20-game stretch, I don't know what you're doing. So... This brings me to perhaps what some people would think is an outlandish thing to do, but uh, Mike says, this is going to sound insane, but why not trade McDavid and or Dreisaitl? Oilers cannot win with them, and there's no future because there are too many high-end cap hits to allow them to help trade for the future as they can't win with them. I don't, uh, I don't know that that's as insane as Mike says. Mike, yeah. Keyboard Warriors was the, the Twitter name, right. but... That's okay. Mike was in there. Mike was in there. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I think there are people who don't want to come on TV and say things like that yeah. that are talking about that behind the scenes. And whether or not that is, listen, they've tried a lot of different things, although you could say maybe just get a goalie, um, <laughs> but they've tried a lot of things here. And if the things that they have in the queue continue to not work, then I guarantee you that those conversations will be had. Whether they'll have them in front of anybody or pull the curtain back on that, hell no. They would never want to put that in the media. They would never want to... They might test the waters by having someone come out and say something like that. Mm -hmm. But right now, that's not where you're at. I guarantee you it goes ugly tomorrow night at home against the Calgary Flames. There'll be a lot more on the table than it is even right now. Yes, especially because it's against the Flames. Big game. All right. Time to send it to Hockey Central on Sportsnet. Carolyn Cameron, Sam Cosentino, Anthony Stewart all standing by. As for us, we'll be back on Sportsnet 360 with a closer look at Tom Brady's magic 
and our hopefully magical NFL picks against the spread back in 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360. As for everybody else, enjoy Hockey Central with my friend and yours, Carolyn Cameron. Still to come, our picks against the spread in the National Football League as we hit the divisionals. But Jesse Rubinoff has come bearing gifts today, not only hosting last call, not only calling first things first, oh but you've also brought a piece on one of the marquee matchups of the weekend, which there are probably three of. Yeah, there's a out lot. Out of the four. There's a lot. Uh, but I want to get to uh, the Buccaneers because somehow with, with Tom Brady, it feels like we're taking what he's doing for granted. He's 44 years old. He's got seven Super Bowl titles, and Brady and the Bucks are a threat to get back to the big game again this season. So uh, I am here today to make sure that we take a second to soak in the greatness we're witnessing from the best to ever do it. Have a listen. The Titans take out the defending champions. The greatest quarterback of all time could be in his last game at Gillette. Brady looked old and didn't look good. Tom Brady is washed. Depending on who you listen to, he was nearly finished just two years ago. A 42-year-old quarterback coming off one of his worst statistical seasons and a first-round playoff exit. This is breaking and coming in as we speak. Tom Brady is going to wind up as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Wrap your mind around that one. The NFL's most productive marriage of all time was over. Like many retirees, Brady fled to Florida, but not to sit by the pool or play shuffleboard. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. Tom won the breakup, and this regular season, the encore to his seventh Lombardi trophy is maybe his greatest performance of all time. Well, Tom Brady, he somehow just keeps getting better. 600, it is. I just don't recall him ever playing better than he is right now. He posted career highs in passing yards and completions. So what's changed two years later? It's not just the Florida sunshine and all that avocado ice cream. Here I am, 44 years old, and I'm still playing. You pinch yourself and you go, I'm throwing the football to Mike Evans. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. For one thing, his weapons in Tampa Bay are deadlier. He has two 1,000-plus yard receivers in Mike Evans and the now-injured Chris Godwin, along with his rejuvenated longtime sidekick, Rob Gronkowski. In Brady's final season in Foxborough, Gronk had retired, and Julian Edelman was his only reliable pass-catching threat. His next best target that year was a backup running back, James White. Then there's the offensive line. They're well-coached, they're playing hard together. They want to get the job done every game, and they do it. It's, it's incredible to watch. Brady was pressured on 18.5% of passes in 2019. And this season, Tampa's second-ranked O-line has lowered that number to just 11.1%. The Bucs have done what Belichick seemed unwilling to do in the late years of Brady's tenure in New England, build the team around the greatest quarterback of all time. You're talking about how much longer can Brady play at this level? As long as he has good weapons like this and trust around him, the sky's the limit for a guy like Brady still at this age. Not only was Tom terrific not near the end in 2019, the 44-year-old could be on his way to a fourth MVP and potentially an eighth Super Bowl victory. All I gotta say is bet on Brady. I mean, it's just incredible the longevity of his career and how well he's playing at this stage. 
Unrivaled. Well done. I, I know the pieces about Brady and how great he is, and he is the greatest of mm -hmm. all time, and in my mind, there's no conversation. But what you pointed to also is just how much of a team game this is. Mm -hmm. That the final year in New England, he had a depleted roster. They had no cap space. He knew they had no cap space. He knew it was going to be another painful year, and that's why the breakup happened. And what he went to in Tampa was a roster full of weapons mm -hmm. that have rejuvenated him. Like, this was a sixth-round pick, might I remind people, right? The greatest of all time is a sixth-round pick. Sometimes it's about situation for me, and I played football at a very low level, but the one thing that I recognized from playing it was just how much you needed everybody on the totally. team. And I really think that Tom Brady is the example of that. And what he left behind in New England was an example of a depleted roster until they got some cap space, and then they were competitive again this year. Definitely. Um, first of all, great job, uh, John Levitt, for putting that piece together. Mm -hmm. um, I think what's interesting about what you just said is, yes, for the majority of the time that Brady's been in Tampa, that has been the case. He has had the weapons. But in the last little while, with Godwin getting hurt in the middle of the season, then Antonio Brown walking off, this now seems like really the first time where he's had to sort of reevaluate what he has around him. It's not like the the plethora of weapons that he had. Okay, but Mike early. Evans is still, still better than still anything that he had yes. in New England when yes. he left. And Rob Gronkowski has been there for the vast majority of it as well. Yes. So, like, I, I know what you're saying, but... We saw Tom get squeezed at the end in New England. People mm -hmm. were just daring him to throw it outside, and he couldn't get it there. And with Tampa, the rejuvenation of everything around him led to the rejuvenation of Tom Brady. Totally. Now, does that mean that he's not doing it? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish what he's doing. But to look at the stats and see 5,300 yards. Now, there was an extra game that he played this year versus any other year. Yes. That yes. is a career high. Yeah. The 43 touchdowns is the second most he has ever thrown in the year. That only other time was the 16-0, Randy Moss. They were killing everybody. Like, the numbers are jaw-dropping. And to think that he's 44 years old. I, I believe, oh, no, he's a year younger. I was going to say he's the same age as Sid Sixero. <laughs> I think he's a year younger than Sid Sixero. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I just don't want to take, as a sports fan, I love greatness. I love when, when guys pile just, up the titles. I'm just comparing two athletic specimens. No. <laughs> Sid, Sid and Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. Yeah. yeah, and I just want us to appreciate what this man is, is able to do. Oh, without a doubt. At 44 years of age because. He could have eight. It's absurd. Like, the numbers are absurd. And say what you will about the quarterback position. I mean, yeah, maybe you don't have to be the most athletic on the field. But there are other things that you bring to that. And the fact that he's 44 and still in the position that he's in, which makes what I'm about to do with our NFL picks. Very ironic. You want to get to it? Well, you see, you, you, the segue was smooth. <laughs> Tell, are you betting against Tom Brady I'm betting. And the Bucks? I'm, after all I just said, uh, I think the buck stops here. 
<laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, I think the Rams, they went all in this year. I think the, the Bucks are, look, they're a good team, but I think, like I said, with the, a couple of the weapons being out. So awesome. I think Cam Akers is awesome, too. Watching him last week was fine. And <laughs> Tom so, Brady is amazing. The greatest of all time. And look, I, honestly. Put your money where your mouth I'm gonna is. Put my, I'm gonna put, nope, I'm betting on I'm the Rams. I'm going to put the money on the Rams, and you, you never want to lose money, but if it's Tom and he goes and gets an eighth Super Bowl, I'm not going to be mad about that one. But the 49ers, too. Oh, so you're trying to make it a win-win. I got you. Yeah, I'm hedging a little bit emotionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, 49ers plus 5.5 against the Packers, too. I think the, the Niners have something special. Eli Mitchell, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. I understand what they're going up against, but I like it. Yeah, I hate betting on Jimmy G, but I'm going to do it with you here, too. Let's that wor- ride. That worries me a little bit, but like I like the Niners. The injuries on defense worry me a little bit. I just think the Niners are as good as anyone in the NFL if they're healthy, and they might be healthy. Um, and if that's the case, then this is a close game in frigid temperatures mm-hmm. on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Uh, and Mike Vrabel is 8-0 straight up and against the spread with nine or more days to prepare for a team. I repeat, Mike Vrabel, 8-0 straight up and against the spread with nine or more days to prepare. He's got the Bengals. I think they kind of got their win. They're Mm -hmm. smiling. They're kind of nothing to lose. The Titans need to prove that they're as good as their record suggests they've been over the last little while. Very underrated over the the course of the season, the Titans, with or without Derrick Henry which makes the fact that Derrick Henry is coming back. Like, what are we expecting from Derrick Henry? There's, I, I have no idea. I don't think anyone can really predict Might what not even going matter. to get. Might not even matter. Uh, it sounds like they've waited long enough. Like There was a rumor that he may have played in the last regular season game of the year. Now he gets another week. So if he's healthy and fresh and the real Derrick Henry, like yeah. think of the wear and tear that you put on over 17 games. He's only played eight this year. Mm-hmm. And if he is indeed healthy... I might get on the Titans bandwagon, and I am not a Ryan Tannehill guy. Yeah. Those are all tough games to bet, I will say. Given last week what happened, I think a little bit disappointing, uh, but those were the matchups. There were good teams and not so great teams. This weekend, it's the cream, the creme de la creme, if you will. I I rather enjoy the Niners and the money line after getting my (laughs) ass handed to me on the Patriots. (laughs) (laughs) It happens. Time for one last break. We'll get a best of the week winner last call and wrap up our week with a little Friday then. Next, Tim and Friends, Sportsnet 360. Please stay with us. Please. Three, please. Welcome back. Let's get to the best of the week winner. You've been voting at Tim and Friends on Twitter, and we are ending the week off a little pissy. That's right, kids. Your winner, Leon Dreisaitl, Jim Matheson. If you haven't seen it enough, here it is again. We have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? Nope. You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just answering your question. Yeah, you are. Whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not very good one. Okay. I have one more for you. Leon, you show your frustration on the ice last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it so the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing, for sure. Okay, I think we're done. Good. Yep. 
so many new things that you see in the intricacies of all that. I was just gonna say that. The ending, like, underrated. Underrated part of that exchange. Yeah, it's a great thing, sure. Like, usually it's the pissy like, that grabs like, everybody. No, I like the PR guy. Okay, that's it. <laughs> I think very we're gonna good. end it here. Very good. Uh, very smooth. Um, the Toronto Raptors are in action tonight against the Washington Wizards. Lots of talk surrounding the seven-man rotation leading the three players going over 40 minutes in Wednesday's loss to the Mavs. Tim, we cannot see that again tonight, right? Probably. <laughs> Probably. I will say this, Gary Trent Jr. is back Let's in the go. lineup for the Toronto Raptors, so that adds another man to the equation. That means eight players will be playing tonight for the Toronto. I still think he's got to play Yuta. I know that Watanabe hasn't been good enough to see time. Doesn't matter. Play him. Ease the pressure on everybody else. I think longer term, it'll do him well. Though uh, Nick Nurse is speaking right now, and uh, he was at being grilled pretty hard on the guys and their minutes, and he said everyone is 100% behind what we're doing. They love it. The core three enjoy the minutes that they're playing right now. I don't know how much their knees will enjoy the minutes that they're playing right now. But if everyone's on board, then who are we to say what we're saying after last game and moving forward? Yeah, the Nurse is always so good with the media. And I just wonder, like, if he's just going to keep getting grilled on the minutes question, like, how long before we get a, a pissy situation on our hands? With they the love it. They love the minutes. They love the play. They love how we're doing it. They're absolutely 100% on board. Like... It seems like they've talked about it. I mean, listen, otherwise you'd hear guys start to say, like, this is a little bit too much. We're getting a little bit set. You haven't heard any of that from anybody. Maybe, they, uh, yes, but maybe athletes, like, they want to play. Of course they want to. I don't want to, like, they're not going to admit that they're tired. I don't think they're going to do that. So it's well, it basically might, up no, to nerves. No, but it might, it might, if you weren't shooting as well, like, Freddie Van Vliet's numbers have gone down a little bit over the last little it while. It would, like, slip out in an answer and be like, yeah, later yeah. in games. No, we went for that bit. three because we wanted to win. Like, I don't know if you remember, but back to the Dallas game, yeah. they had two shots to tie it. If they went for the two, both Fred Van Vliet and Chris Boucher, though they were decent looks, went for the three. Might have been because they were tired. But nobody said anything like that. Right? They just said, we were in that game and it came down to the wire. Yeah, I think he just said he's uh, he was asked about Yuta and he's gonna start playing some other guys, which is interesting. Well, he just heard Uncle Timmy say it, so he... this is it. Tonight's the night. Nick Nurse on Yuta. Uh, yes, finally being available. Yes, so there you go. Must have listened. He was watching the show. Yes, and he just added to it. Right. Yes, he's, he's listening. He's listening on Zoom. He's got in the corner of his Zoom screen. He's got, got us on too. Uh, one of those earpieces. Yes. Uh, okay. To Tim and friends. Three NBA games on the network tonight, including the Lakers, who face the lowly Orlando Magic. You can watch this one at 7 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet. Now, after a 5-for-17 shooting night, Frank Vogel benched Russell Westbrook for the final three minutes of their last game against Indiana. Tim, mm -hmm. this is a good one. Who lasts longer with the Lakers, Vogel or Westbrook? Westbrook because of his contract. Like, who the hell is taking on Russell Westbrook at over 40 million? And I think it's 47 million for next season. Like, who didn't see this coming, though? This is, like, I don't understand this. We saw this coming. Like, if you just watched Russell Westbrook play, you knew this was going to happen. Everyone except LeBron, I guess, because he was the one well, who was What about Kenny Smith and LeBron James 
And there's a lot of people, like, listen, I, I've said that I don't know that Russell Westbrook has enough bend in his game to be successful at the highest levels in championship play. He's obviously one of the greatest players I've ever seen in my yeah. life, but he does things that seem chi almost chi like he had the double-digit turnover games, and then the next game he plays where he's not going to do anything stupid at all. He's not trying. He's making soft passes on the outside mm -hmm. so that he has zero turnovers. Like he's trying to prove a point. His last ten games, he's shooting thirty percent from the floor because they've put him in a spot where he's just standstill, spot-up shooter. Like, he's doing things that seem to want to get Frank Vogel fired. And they can't trade him because no one is going to take him. So I think Russell Westbrook is going to win this fight, then judge Westbrook when he's gone. But you can look at the rest of his career and say, he had a decent chance in Houston. He had a decent chance in Washington. And he obviously had the chance in OKC, and Kevin Durant bounced. That's a very fine answer. I'm going to move on to the Washington football team's coaching staff. Uh, back in 2013, it was loaded. Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. Matt LaFleur was quarterback's coach. And Sean McVay was coaching the tight ends. All three of them will be on the sidelines as head coaches this weekend. This is awesome. Tim, which of these coaches has the best chance to win a Super Bowl first? Before we get to that question, can I not say how much of an indictment this is of Daniel Snyder and the Washington football <laughs> yeah. team that he had three of the best young coaches on his staff Literally. and they are all going to be playing this weekend while Washington watches at home and it's just a, a pit of utter dismay. Hire Jay Gruden instead. Like, so if you were to handpick the three best young coaches in the NFL, it would be those three guys, most Probably. likely. Which is unbelievable to think Probably. that they were all there. Probably. At one time. And, and Dan Snyder bleeped it up. Yes. Um, if the Ra I was going to say the Rams, if they get by Brady, but that's a huge <laughs> if, right? Like, that's a You're massive. not willing to ride with me on that one. Eh? We no, I just, the road is. Like, I've said this. I, I had a show on the Score Television Network with Greg Sansoni like a decade ago. And my line on the show was, the road is littered with folks who bet against Brady and Belichick. <laughs> and I, like to this day, I find it hard, even when numbers or like that defense and how well they played against Kyler Murray makes me feel like the Rams can handle the Bucs. Yeah. And all the injuries on the Bucs, especially on the offensive line, makes me feel like they are beatable. I will not bet against Brady because literally, the road is littered with folks that ripped up their tickets yeah. and threw them on the side of the road betting against Tom Brady. Well, uh, at least Shanahan or LaFleur will be advancing to the next round, giving them uh, at least a better shot right. than potentially McVeigh is going up against the greatest to ever do it. The college hoops. The Memphis Tigers suffered their third loss in a row last night. The <laughs> Penny Hardaway coach team is now 9-8 and eight on the season. After the game, a reporter asked, if Penny had lost faith, he could get the job done in Memphis. This was his response. I think the one thing I can say to this media, because this media gets kind of up sometimes when it comes to me, we don't have our full roster. Y'all know we don't have our full roster. Stop asking me stupid questions about if I feel like I can do something. If I had my roster like they did, then I feel like I can do whatever I want to do. I'm coaching really hard. My boys are playing really hard. I'm not embarrassed about nothing. We have four freshmen starting. Y'all need to act like it. 
Act like we got 17, 18, and 19-year-olds out here trying to learn how to play against 22, 23, and 24-year-old guys. Come on, man. Stop disrespecting me, bro. Like, don't do that. I work too hard. I work way too hard for that. Y'all write all these articles about me, and all I do is work. We got young kids on the floor. They got young kids on the floor. First of all, before I get to the question, that is amazing support of his players. Like, yes, it's an attack on the media who are asking the questions, but he's sticking up for his guys who he's obviously are not playing for himself. A he's sticking bit up too. for himself a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah. The, question, yeah. the question is: uh, Is that the most fiery press conference we've seen? This <laughs> yeah, week? that was more. Uh, honestly, yes. Yeah, that was more fiery than the Edmonton Oilers press conference and yeah. pissy. It was. Uh, it was less pissy, more angry, and uh, I'm okay with it. I think that. More of us need to play into what we've all gone through over the yeah. last little while. Uh, all right, that uh, thankfully does it for us. <laughs> it's been a long week with the snowmageddon and all that stuff. Thank you for watching this week. Have yourselves a great weekend. And as we leave you, let's take one last look back at the week that was here on Tim and Friends because it's Friday then, it's Saturday, Sunday. It's Friday then, it's Saturday, it's Sunday. Friday then, it's Friday, Sunday, what? It's Friday then, it's Friday, Sunday, what? It's Friday again, Put a little snow on the ground in this city, and they get softer than a dude in a Snuggie. This wasn't a little snow. 60 centimeters, Jesse, is almost two feet. I really wish I was in school right now. Once we dug out my driveway and they canceled the show after I dug out my driveway, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> Toronto deals with the snow worse than blank deals with blank. Worse than Devin Booker <laughs> deals with the Raptor. Worse than Novak Djokovic deals with visa applications. Worse than the Leafs deal with 3-1 leads. Yeah, nap. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. Worse than, uh, Charlie says, Jesse deals with a paper cut. <laughs> I'm fine, by the way. All Thanks right. for asking. Not only did he have 18 tackles, but he's chill. Kind of like uh, Rubinoff in our pre-show meeting. Right. Not, not quite. You, you see the dancing off of the top of the show that has become his trademark. Amazing. Yeah. You should see his dancing off there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't cry. Are you? <laughs> Welcome back to Tim and... Alright, uh, Ken, Ken Reed is, is in studio. How to get rid of your double chin? It's funny in here, I don't see anywhere. It doesn't say anywhere, grow a beard. <laughs> I've said it a couple times, as a matter of fact. Shoulder touches can help you get rid of a double chin. Chin lift with yeah. resistance. Why is he just in briefs? Why did he got to gear down yeah. to do chin exercises? To do chin exercises. <laughs> Someone sell this book? Obviously for $2.95. How to get rid of your double chin is actually on Amazon, $10.99. This book has exercises in it that actually work. <laughs> this whole thing is amazing. Look at how infatuated for that in. she is with his single chin. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend.